0: Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and we will read this morning from verses 11 to 16.
1: Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. Therefore,
0: and might reconcile us both to God in one body
1: through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we
0: do ask for your help as we look at this passage this morning and this evening.
1: We ask for the aid of your Holy Spirit in the preaching. Lord, we ask that you will
0: Help us in the hearing, that it would not only go into the ears of our head, so to speak, but into the ears of our heart.
1: Lord, we commit this to you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: So this morning and this evening, we're going to be looking at that section of Ephesians chapter 2 that I just read, Ephesians 2, 11 to 16. It speaks of the relationship between Jews and Gentiles, as well as the unity that Christ brings to people from these two ethnic groups. And I trust and pray that our study will be helpful by way of application in our current cultural moment that we're experiencing in the Western world and that it will be edifying to our souls So we're going to cover verses 13 to 16 this evening, God willing. And this morning we're focusing in on verses 11 to 13. And with that in mind, let's begin at verse 11 of Ephesians 2. And to use that old familiar expression yet again, when we see a therefore, we have to ask what it is therefore. And in this case, Since chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 are really just a continuation of Paul's elaboration on God's power, which he began in chapter 1 and verse 19, the therefore at the beginning of verse 11 actually refers all the way back to Ephesians chapter 1 verses 16 to 18, where Paul indicates that he has been praying for the Ephesian Christians. And the substance of his prayer has been heart knowledge of the things that he has been speaking about in the letter so far. Look at chapter one, verse 18. He says, I'm praying that you will have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul doesn't want the Ephesians merely to be able to talk about The covenant of works, the covenant of redemption, the covenant of grace, election, redemption, effectual calling, total depravity, regeneration, conversion, the ordo salutis, the historia salutis, neonomianism, legalism, antinomianism, all these theological things that he's been unfolding so far in Ephesians. Paul is not mainly concerned that the Ephesian Christians would be able to talk intelligibly about these things. He doesn't want them to merely be able to think and understand and discourse and debate about these sorts of things correctly. He does want them to understand these things, of course, but he wants them to feel the significance of these things. He says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. And so the sense of the therefore, at the beginning of chapter 2 and verse 11, is something like this. Since I'm praying, Ephesian Christians, that you may have heart knowledge of the things that I'm writing to you about pertaining to the gospel.
1: Since I'm praying that you would have heart knowledge about these things, remember, that is meditate,
0: ponder, Upon God's grace to you Gentiles. Since I'm praying for heart knowledge of the hope to which God has called you, you yourselves, Gentile Christians, Ephesian Christians, should meditate and ponder on that hope. Think about that hope. What is the nature of it? How did it come to you Gentiles? John Newton said, to read the scripture, not as an attorney may read a will, merely to know the sense, but as the heir reads it, as a description and proof of his interest, therein is blessedness. We ought to read the scripture as heirs, reading the story of redemption as our story of redemption Paul wanted the Ephesians to read his epistle as heirs, not merely as attorneys to know the sense, but as heirs, not only what is true about redemption, but that this is true of our redemption. Paul wanted the Ephesians to read his epistle as heirs, and likewise, he wants us, those of us who are also Gentile Christians, just as the Ephesians were, Paul wants us to read the epistle to the Ephesians as heirs. We must not be satisfied merely with perceiving the truths of the gospel objectively and factually, but as the Ephesians did, we must also come to perceive the gospel as pertaining to us. So Paul says, Therefore, Since I want you to have heart knowledge, remember. Specifically, he says, remember that at one time, and he goes on to list a number of things about that time. And what time is Paul referring to? Evidently, it's the time before Christ, because it's contrasted with, but now in Christ, at the beginning of verse 13. So there was this one time before Christ, and then there's but now in Christ. So Paul, when he says at one time, he's referring to the Old Testament time period before Christ came and was born. And the Gentile Christians, both the Ephesians and frankly most of us, Gentile Christians are to remember that at that time, that is the Old Testament time period, we were first separated from Christ. Look at verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ as opposed to being near. Now this does not mean that all the Jews were near Christ in the sense that they were united savingly to him by faith, saved from their sins and looking forward to an eternity together with God. The Jews were not all near to Christ in that sense. But all Jews were near to Christ in some sense. The Jewish people had the revelation of Christ in types and shadows set constantly before them. They constantly saw the tabernacle or temple and the priest and the lambs and the purification rites. And all of these things pointed to Christ. There is a meeting place with God and it is the person of Christ. There is a great high priest and he is Christ. There is a lamb who takes away the sin of the world and it is Christ. There is one who makes clean from all impurities and he is Christ. This is what all of those Old Testament things were pointing towards teaching and instructing the Jews about in the sense that all the Jews had the types and shadows which represented Christ before them constantly. Each and every Jew was near to Christ while the Gentiles remained
1: separated from him. Moreover, the Jews had the presence of Christ with them
0: The angel of the Lord, a Christophany, was consistently appearing throughout Old Testament times to the Jews, not to mention the person of the Son in the constant presence of the triune God among the Jews. In this sense also, the Jews were near Christ while the Gentiles remained separated from him. And the Jews had salvation in Christ by faith perpetually offered to them. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 concludes Paul's argument that both Abraham and David were also justified by faith. And Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we receive we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So unlike the Gentiles who were separated from the offer of salvation in Christ by faith because they had never heard, the Jews had this offer constantly before them. To understand how the Jews could be said to be near Christ in Old Testament times before he was even born as opposed to being separated from him we need to understand the concept of progressive revelation and progressive revelation is simply the idea that the old testament and the new testament differ in clarity but that they're telling the same story god gradually unfolds his revelation rather than putting it all out there at once from the beginning perhaps an illustration will help Many of you have heard me share this before, but here we go again because it's so helpful and clarifying with respect to this idea of progressive revelation. Alec Motir has said, think about it. Think of what an Israelite would say on the way to Canaan after passing through the Red Sea. If you asked an Israelite, who are you? He might reply, I was in a foreign land under the sentence of death and in bondage, but I took shelter under the blood of the land, and our mediator led us
1: out, and we crossed over. Now we're on our way into the promised land, though we're not there yet, but he has given
0: us his law to make us a community, and he has given us a tabernacle because we must live by grace and forgiveness and he is present in our midst and he will stay with us until we arrive home. That's exactly what a Christian says almost word for word. Unlike the rest of the nations, the old Testament Israelites had the revelation and presence of Christ and his gospel in promissory form with them, near to them the revelation and presence of Christ in a way that God deemed appropriate for that stage of progressive revelation which leads us to the next thing that the Gentile Christians were to remember in Old Testament times Gentile Christians were strangers to the covenants of promise as verse 12 also says turn with me to Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and then get a finger also
1: in Romans 9. In Romans 3, 1 and 2, Paul says, Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what
0: is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. And in Romans 9, verses 1 to 5, I am speaking the truth in Christ. belong to patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh,
1: is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. From these sections of Scripture, we see that not all Jews were saved,
0: but they had the revelation and presence of Christ among them in a way that no other nation did. The manner in which God related to the Jews in Old Testament times, by his covenants with them, was unique to them alone. And those covenants contained promises pertaining to the Messiah. Let's look briefly at a couple of examples of this reality so that you can see what is meant by this. Listen to Genesis 15 and verse 18. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your
1: offspring I give the land, etc., etc. And listen also to David's, pardon me, to God's covenant with David in
0: 2 Samuel chapter 12, pardon me, 2nd Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through to verse 16. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure
1: forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever.
0: So by virtue of these covenants of promise and others as well, those are just a couple of examples. The Israelites were near to God in a way that none of the other nations were. And the Jews received promises from God contained in the covenants he made with them that none of the other nations had. Therefore, those in the commonwealth of Israel, as Ephesians 2.12 puts it, had hope, unlike the Gentiles who were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel Romans 10:14 says how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in
1: him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching this
0: was the situation of the gentiles by and large In the Old Testament time period, they could not believe and call on the Christ because they hadn't even heard of him. No one preached to them. Therefore, they were without hope. Again, this is not to say that all the Jews who did hear were saved, but certainly no one, Jew or Gentile, who didn't hear was saved. Some might object that it's not fair to condemn someone without giving them a chance to hear the gospel. But God considers the human race guilty in Adam. Romans 5.18 says that one trespass, referring to Adams, led to condemnation for all men. One trespass led to condemnation for all men. And here's a case study of how God views those outside of Christ who have never heard the gospel. How did God view the inhabitants of the promised land prior to the conquest before any of them had heard of Christ Jesus? Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 5 refers to the wickedness of these nations
1: as the just reason for their slaughter and forfeiture of the land. We must face up
0: to what the Bible says, those who have never heard the gospel are, as Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, without hope. And such was the situation of the Gentiles in the Old Testament time period by and large. Of course, there were exceptions Job, Melchizedek, Rahab, Ruth naaman the people of nineveh etc but the vast majority were separated from christ alienated from the commonwealth of
1: israel strangers to the covenants of promise without hope and without god in the world
0: let that sink in our forefathers whether the arawaks and caribs of the caribbean region Whether Africans, with the exception of a few North Africans, like Egyptians, who had contact and dealings with
1: the God of Israel at times in the Old Testament, and so forth. Various indigenous peoples of Canada, Europeans,
0: whoever else on the earth, the vast, the vast majority of them, with very few exceptions, in Old Testament times were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, and therefore without hope and without God in the world. This is heavy stuff. But thankfully, Paul brings in the good news. But now, at the beginning of verse 13, you who were once far off, namely Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God willing, we'll examine the phrase by the blood of Christ and continue our study from there tonight. This morning, however, brought near is our focus. We Gentiles have been brought near. To what? All the things that we were far off from. Christ, the commonwealth of Israel, the covenants of promise, though, since they've now been fulfilled in Christ Jesus, in the new covenant, perhaps we should say that we've been brought here to the fulfillment of the covenants of promise. And we've been brought here to hope. We've been brought here to God. The gospel has now been preached on a wide scale to the Gentile world. And so it is provisionally possible for Jews to be brought near en masse in an unprecedented way here in this New Testament era. But more than that, Gentiles who have believed in Christ Jesus have actually been brought near to these aforementioned things. It's not just a possibility for us who have believed. It is a reality. I am my beloved, and my beloved is my the Gentile believer may now say of the Jewish Christ. As the church obediently takes the gospel to the nations, the nations may now take hold of Christ and own Christ as their savior and their Lord. Jesus is mine. Jews and Gentiles may now sing together. And in some sense now, Gentiles are Jews. Remember that they were, as verse 12 told us, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. But now in Christ Jesus, the believing Gentiles have been brought near. Again, by implication, it's to all the things that they were separated from, far off from including the commonwealth of Israel. In fact, Ephesians 2 and verse 19, which we're not going to deal with today, but I just reference it to make this point. Ephesians 2, 19 calls believing Gentiles fellow citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. Galatians speaks to this. If you are Christ's, if you are Christ's, Gentile believer, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. And Galatians also says, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. And so the fulfillment of all these covenants of promise which spoke about the coming
1: Christ is shared in, the fulfillment is shared in by the Gentiles. It's
0: fulfilled not only to the Jews and for the Jews, but to the Gentiles who believe and for the Gentiles who believe. Our blessing as Gentile Christians in the New Covenant is not in promissory form, types and shadows, but our blessing is in fulfillment form. We're not looking for an earthly country, but a heavenly one. We are not looking for a temporal geopolitical nation, but for the kingdom of God and so forth. We are brought near not to the covenants of promise, but to the fulfillment of the covenants of promise. And therefore, in Christ Jesus, we Gentile believers now have hope and are with God in the world. We'll unpack this more tonight. But Christ in the shedding of his blood has inaugurated a new covenant which supersedes the covenants of promise and renders them obsolete as Hebrews 8 teaches us. Thus, Gentiles now relate to God in the same way as Jews. namely by faith, we need to shift our confidence away from our own supposed self-righteousness And shift our confidence away from any other supposed Savior. And shift our confidence onto Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. And onto him alone and trust in his work to save us from our sins. This is how Gentiles may be saved and this is how Jews may be saved. Gentiles now relate to God in the same way as Jews. Gentiles now share in the privileges of Israel. Nearness to Christ,
1: covenantal blessing, hope, and fellowship with God. And all of this is by grace. So, believing Gentile, remember.
0: Remember how it is that the grace of God came to us Gentiles when God could have justly condemned us in our sin. Remember that we are not entitled to salvation. But that it is a gift of mercy. Remember how Christ came and bled and died for us and for our sins when he could have shed it his blood only for the Jewish race or even for none at all. Oh believing Gentile, humble yourself then before the mercy of the Lord and be grateful for the privilege. Of joining together with
1: the believing Jew to say, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. An unbeliever, do not fail to appreciate the wideness in God's mercy. We are all alike wicked and condemned, not only for our personal sin,
0: but for the sin of our first father Adam and there could justly be no gospel for any of us having made promises God of course obligated himself to keep them but God in the first place was not obligated to make promises to any people group let alone to all people groups but God has in the gospel made the promise that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be
1: saved. Therefore unbeliever, call on him. Do not sit in
0: front of your screen today, and hear of the wideness of the mercy of God to all the peoples of the earth, inviting anyone who will, whether Jew or Gentile, to come. Do not sit in front of your screen today, and hear of the wideness of God's mercy, and hear God making His appeal to you through me in the preaching of His Word. Do not sit in front of your screen today, And hear of the wideness of the mercy of God. And then perish in your sin with the echo of
1: today's sermon haunting you forever in hell. Unbeliever, the Bible says everyone, meaning in that context
0: Jews and Gentiles, no matter what people group you belong to,
1: everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So call on him. In Christ Jesus, by believing in him, trusting in him, you
0: too, whoever you are, may be brought near to Christ, near to the commonwealth of Israel, and may become a child of Abraham by becoming Christ's. And therefore, be blessed along with Abraham and the Jews, in the fulfillment of the promises that God made to them. And you, too,
1: then, may have hope and have God in this world. What mercy all of this is.